Section thirteen of the Adventures of Odysseus. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. The Adventures of Odysseus and the Tale of Troy by Parik Colum. Part one. Chapter eighteen. So much of the story of Achilles did Telemachus, the son of Odysseus, hear from the lips of King Menelaus as he sat with his comrade. Piasistratus in the king's feasting-hall. And more would Menelaus have told them than if Helen his wife had not been seen to weep. "'Why weepst thou, Helen?' said Menelaus. "'Ah, surely I know. It is because the words that tell of the death of Hector are sorrowful to thee.' And Helen, the lovely lady, said, "'Never did Prince Hector speak a harsh or a hard word to me in all the years I was in his father's house and if any one upbraided me he would come and speak gentle words to me. Ah, greatly did I lament for the death of noble Hector. After his wife and his mother I wept the most for him, and when one speaks of his slaying I cannot help but weep. Said Menelaus, We leave your heart of its sorrow, Helen, by praising Hector to this youth, and by telling your memories of him. To-morrow I shall do so, said the lady Helen. She went with her maids from the hall, and the servants took Telemachus and Piasistratus to their sleeping-places. The next day they sat in the banqueting-hall, King Menelaus and Telemachus and Piasistratus, and the Lady Helen came amongst them. Her handmaidens brought into the hall her silver work-basket that had wheels beneath it with rims of gold, and her golden distaff that with the basket had been presents from the wife of the King of Egypt and Helen sat in her chair, and took the distaff in her hands, and worked on the violet-coloured wool that was in her basket. And as she worked, she told Telemachus of Troy, and of its guardian, Hector. Said Helen, The old men were at the gate of the city talking over many things, and King Priam was amongst them. It was in the days when Achilles first quarrelled with King Agamemnon. Come hither, my daughter, said King Priam to me, and sit by me and tell me who the warriors are who now come out upon the plain. You have seen them all before, and I would like to have you tell me who such and such a one is. Who is yon hero who seems so mighty? I have seen men who were more tall than he by a head, but I have never seen a man who looked more royal. I said to King Priam, The hero whom you look upon is the leader of the host of the Greeks. He is the renowned King Agamemnon. He looks indeed a king said Priam. Tell me now who the other warrior is who is shorter by a head than King Agamemnon, but who is broader of chest and shoulder. He is Odysseus, I said, who was reared in rugged Ithaca, but who is wise above all kings. And an old man, Antenor, who was by us, said, That indeed is Odysseus. I remember that he and Menelaus came on an embassy to the assembly of the Trojans. When they both stood up, Menelaus seemed the greater man, but when they sat down Odysseus seemed by far the most stately. When they spoke in the assembly, Menelaus was ready and skilful of speech. Odysseus, when he spoke, held his staff stiffly in his hands, and fixed his eyes upon the ground. We thought by the look of him that he was a man of no understanding. But when he began to speak, we saw that no one could match Odysseus. His words came like snowflakes in winter, and his voice was very resonant and Priam said, And who is that huge warrior? I think he is taller and broader than any of the rest. He is great Aias, said I, 
who is as a bulwark for the Greeks, and beside him stands Idomeneus, who has come from the island of Crete. Around him stand the Cretan captains. So I spoke, but my heart was searching for a sight of my own two brothers. I did not see them in any of the companies. Had they come with the host, I wondered, and were they ashamed to be seen with the warriors on account of my wrong-doing? I wondered as I looked for them. I did not know that even then my two dear brothers were dead, and that the earth of their own dear land held them. Hector came to the gate, and the wives and the daughters of the Trojans came running to him, asking for news of their husbands or sons or brothers, whether they were killed or whether they were coming back from the battle. He spoke to them all and went to his own house. But Andromache, his wife, was not there, and the house-dame told him that she had gone to the great tower by the wall of the city to watch the battle, and that the nurse had gone with her, bringing their infant child. So Hector went down the street and came to the gate where we were, and Andromache his wife came to meet him. With her was the nurse who carried the little child that the folk of the city named Astyanax, calling him King of the City, because his father was their city's protector. Hector stretched out his arms to the little boy whom the nurse carried, but the child shrank away from him, because he was frightened by the great helmet on his father's head with its horsehair crest. Then Hector laughed, and Andromache laughed with him, and Hector took off his great helmet and laid it on the ground. Then he took up his little son, and dandled him in his arms, and prayed, O Zeus, greatest of the gods, grant that this son of mine may become valiant, and that like me he may be protector of the city, and thereafter a great king, so that men may say of him as he returns from battle, Far greater is he than was Hector his father. Saying this, he left the child back in the nurse's arms, and to Andromache his wife, who was that day very fearful, he said, Dear one, do not be over-sorrowful. You urge me not to go every day into the battle, but some days to stay behind the walls. But my own spirit forbids me to stay away from battle, for always I have taught myself to be valiant and to fight in the forefront. So he said, and he put on his helmet again and went to order his men. And his wife went towards the house, looking back at him often, and letting her tears fall down. Thou knowest from Menelaus' story what triumphs Hector had thereafter, how he drove the Greeks back to their ships, and affrighted them with his thousand watchfires upon the plain, how he drove back the host that Agamemnon led when Diomedes and Odysseus and Machaon the healer were wounded, how he broke through the wall that the Greeks had built, and brought fire to their ships, and how he slew Patroclus in the armour of Achilles. CHAPTER nineteen. King Priam on his tower saw Achilles come raging across the plain, and he cried out to Hector, Hector, beloved son, do not await this man's onset, but come within the city's walls, come within that thou mayest live and be a protection to the men and women of Troy, and come within that thou mayest save thy father who must perish if thou art slain. But Hector would not come within the walls of the city. He stood holding his shield against a jutting tower in the wall, and all around him were the Trojans, who came pouring in through the gate without waiting to speak to each other, to ask who were yet living and who were slain. And as he stood there, he was saying in his heart, The fault is mine that the Trojans have been defeated upon the plain. I kept them from entering the city last night against the counsel of a wise man, 
for in my pride I thought it would be easy to drive Achilles and the Greeks back again, and defeat them utterly and destroy their hopes of return. Now are the Trojans defeated and dishonoured, and many have lost their lives through my pride. Now the women of Troy will say, Hector, by trusting to his own might, was brought destruction upon the whole host, and our husbands and sons and brothers have perished because of him. Rather than hear them say this, I shall face Achilles and slay him, and save the city, or, if it must be, perish by his spear. When Achilles came near him, Hector spoke to him and said, My heart bids me stand against thee, although thou art a mightier man than I. But before we go into battle, let us take pledges one from the other, with the gods to witness, that if I should slay thee, I shall strip thee of thine armour, but I shall not carry thy body into the city, but give it to thine own friends to treat with all honour, and that if thou should slay me, thou shalt give my body to my friends. But Achilles said, Between me and thee there can be no pledges. Fight, and fight with all thy soldiership, for now I shall strive to make thee pay for all the sorrow thou hast brought to me, because of the slaying of Patroclus my friend. He spoke, and raised his spear, and flung it. But with his quickness Hector avoided Achilles' spear. And he raised his own, saying, Thou hast missed me, and not yet is the hour of my doom. Now is thy turn to stand before my spear. He flung it, but the wonderful shield of Achilles turned Hector's spear, and it fell on the ground. Then was Hector downcast, for he had no other spear. He drew his sword and sprang at Achilles. But the helmet and shield of Achilles let none of Hector's great strokes touch his body. And Achilles got back into his hands his own great spear, and he stood guarding himself with his shield, and watching Hector for a spot to strike him on. Now in the armour that Hector wore, the armour that he had stripped off Patroclus, there was a point at the neck where there was an opening. As Hector came on, Achilles drove at his neck with his spear, and struck him, and Hector fell in the dust. Then Achilles stripped from him the armour that Patroclus had worn. The other captains of the Greeks came up and looked at Hector where he lay, and all marvelled at his size and strength and goodliness. And Achilles dragged the body at his chariot, and drove away towards the ships. Hector's mother, standing on the tower on the wall, saw all that was done, and she broke into a great cry. And all the women of Troy took up the cry and wailed for Prince Hector who had guarded them and theirs from the foe. Andromache, his wife, did not know the terrible thing that had happened. She was in an inner chamber of Hector's house, weaving a great web of cloth and embroidering it with flowers, and she had ordered her handmaidens to heat water for the bath, so that Hector might refresh himself when he came in from the fight. But now she heard the wail of the women of Troy. Fear came upon her, for she knew that such wailing was for the best of their warriors. She ran from her chamber and out into the street, and came to the battlements where the people stood watching. She saw the chariot of Achilles dashing off towards the ships, and she knew that it dragged the dead body of Hector. Then darkness came before her eyes, and she fainted away. Her husband's sisters and his brother's wives thronged round her, and lifted her up. And at last her life came back to her, and she wailed for Hector. "'Oh, my husband!' she cried. "'For misery were we two born!' Now thou hast been slain by Achilles, and I am left husbandless. Ah, woe for our young child! Hard-hearted strangers shall oppress him when he lives amongst people that care not for him or his. 
and he will come weeping to me his widowed mother, who will live for ever sorrowful, thinking upon where thou liest, Hector, by the ships of those who slew thee. So Andromache spoke, and all the women of Troy joined in her grief, and wept for great Hector, who had protected their city. End of section 13